All right. Well, good morning. Everybody doing all right? Good morning. Good, good, good. Man, it's a good morning. A good place, a good time to be in the house of the Lord. I'm just telling you, it's beautiful uh, outside. Yesterday was an incredible day, and uh, we saw the sunshine for the first time in a long time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was awesome. So, good day. Good day for baseball. I was watching my son's uh, team play, and man, it was just uh, good to see them having a good time and just seeing the sunshine was nice. So, if you're joining us online, we're so glad you're here. We're in a series on relationships. And it's relationships that matter. There's some we all have relationships, right? But it's some relationships that matter more than others. And we started off talking about our relationship with God, and then last week we talked about our relationship with our spouse. So today we're going to talk about parenting. We're talk, really going to talk about our, our our family, if you will. But honoring our parents honors God. And so, for most of us in the room, we were born, right? Most of us were born, so we have parents. And uh, you know, actually, everybody in here was born. You know, we we have parents. And, uh, and so what we do is we, we often struggle with this passage. A lot of times, uh, you know, we look at that passage and we go, Mike, you just don't know my parents. And you're right, I don't, but God does. And, you know, and, and oftentimes we don't like our parents or we are mad at our parents or we're frustrated with our parents. And we, we think, man, I, I, I don't know how I came out the way that I did or whatever. But I'm just telling you, your parents are who, you know, made the, the, the donation for you guys to be who you are. God took those two people and he made you who you are. And so our parents are, are critical in our lives. I mean, it's, it's part of who we are. It's, it's what makes us. Now, we don't have to be like our parents. And I will say that there are some of us in the room that maybe your parents made some bad decisions. Maybe they were terrible parents. And you're thinking, man, I don't want to be anything like them. But there's things you can learn from them. And they still are part of who you are. And, uh, you know, and so I want us to kind of unpack that today. How do we honor our parents and I know a lot of parents in the room were thinking, hey, this is going to be for my kids. This is for all of us. This message really is, is for all of us. And it comes uh, from the fifth commandment that we see in Scripture. It says, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, and long full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So uh, this is God speaking to Moses, and he's giving him the Ten Commandments. And, you know, most of us know the Ten Commandments, and this is the fifth one. It gives us a promise as well that, hey, man, you do this. And, man, you'll live a long life. And, and God is honored when we honor our parents. And, and so we have to understand that this, this fifth commandment is all the commandments are set up to protect us, right, and to, and to help us benefit. You know, oftentimes we do things for two reasons. One, because we have to. Or two, we do it because we feel like there's a benefit in that. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, you just heard uh, Hunter talking about is we have week of prayer this week. And, and a week of prayer is something that would benefit you. You don't have to do it. But, man, we encourage you to be a part of Week of Prayer. And, uh, and, man, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God moves in powerful ways when we pray, His people pray, and we're, uh, we're humble and we pray. And so I want to ask you if you would consider doing that. You can go to our website and, and uh, sign up for a time or, you know, and, and become a part of that. But I believe that God blesses that. And so when we look back at the, at the, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, they're, they're set up to protect us. You know, and it's to keep us in a right relationship with God. It's to protect our relationships with others as well. And so here... Now, I want us to kind of unpack what this means to honor. It says the contextual definition of the, in the of Old Testament, honor means heavy or weighty. In other words, this is something that's, that's important. Uh, you know, and you go back and you look in the Old Testament, you see honor is a big deal. Uh, when you get to the New Testament, we see honor as a big deal. So it's not like God says, hey, back in the Old Testament it was, it was important. New Testament, not so much. That's not the way the Bible works. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so we've got to understand that. So it's heavy or weighty. And here, let's keep going with that. It says to honor someone is to give weight or grant a person position of position, respect, and even authority in one's life. And let me just say this about our parents. 
there are times that our parents maybe, you go, they don't deserve respect. But it's the position, and look at it again, the position, a person of position. It's kind of like with the, uh, you know, the President of the United States. You might not like who's in office now. You might not li- have liked who was in there before. But it's the office of president that we respect that office. You know, it's the same way in, in the church. It should be the same way in the home. You know, the church, there's certain positions. You may not like the pastor, but there's a respect that you're to, sh- to show those positions of authority. And in your home, it's your parents. And so what we do is we say, you know what, God, I want to honor the position. You may not like some of the things about some of the people that are in those roles, but you have to, out of, out of honor and respect, you want to honor the position at times. So we have to think like that. You know, God, I want to honor the position. So let's keep driving here. It says it means to prize highly, care for, show respect for, and obey. To show respect for and to obey. And so as we are doing this, we've got to go, you know what, God, you know, I want to respect the position and I want to honor them because, because you tell me to. Not because I want to maybe sometimes, but because you tell me to. So here's the thing we need to understand. There are no perfect parents. There's no such thing. We're, not, we're all broken vessels, right? Every one of us. We're all broken. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all sinful people. There's only one that was perfect, and that was Jesus, right? And so there's only one that was perfect. So we're all messed up. We're all broken. You know, there's no, I used to say all the time, there's no people, no perfect people allowed here because there's no such thing except for Jesus, right? So we want people to understand that we realize, and for some of you kids in here, we want you to understand, we know we're not perfect, right? Parents, do we know that we're not perfect? We know we're not, right? And, and there's times we make mistakes. We make mistakes as parents. There's been more than one time I've had to go to my kids and ask them to forgive me and, t- and just say, hey, listen, I sinned against you and I sinned against God in how I handle that. And mom and dad, I don't know if you ever do that, but I'm just telling you, that's part of a healthy relationship is being willing to take ownership and just say, you know what, that's on me. I blew it. I did not handle that well. You know, I overreacted or I did this or whatever it might be, but you have to be willing to say, you know what, I messed up. You're not always right. And, and kids, I want you to understand, they're not always right. But the thing is, is we have to take ownership of that and realize, you know what, I'm not always right. So there's no perfect parents. There never has been. The only perfect heavenly father we have is in heaven. Now, you know, so we've got to get our mind around. That's where we learn how to be a good parent is by, from our, our heavenly father. So here's another one. There are no perfect kids. Everybody already knows that, right? I mean, everybody knows that. You know, there's no perfect kids, you know, and so... We know there's no perfect kids. Uh, now, I know some of you parents out there think your kid's perfect, but I'm telling you they're not. And I know oftentimes I hear people say, buddy's got a good heart. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the heart's corrupt, you know. And, and so the thing is, is we've got to be willing to go, you know what, I don't have perfect kids. You know, and they're not going to do everything just right. You might have a good kid. It's, that just means he's better than some of the rest, maybe. But he's not a, there's not a perfect kid. There's no such thing. But I will say this. They are perfectly made. It goes back to where God takes two broken vessels and he makes something beautiful. He makes a child. And it's a beautiful thing. And we see this in Psalms 139. It says, you made all the delicate inner inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. So God made us. We are are the creation of God. You know, we have been created. We have been knit together. You may not like the way you look. You may not like your hair. You may not like whatever about you. But I'm telling you, God made you just the way you are. He created you with a plan and a purpose for your life. This is what I love. When we read Psalms 139, we realize that God made me. He put me together just the way that I am. You know, whatever it might be, birth defect, whatever it might be, He puts you together that way. It's not a defect. It's God just made you that way. 
And so we, we embrace that. We have to embrace that. And this is what I love. You know, now, we may be creations of God at this point, but when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become children of God. We become a part of his family. So God creates us. He puts us together. And so let's finish reading this. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. So in other words, we're saying here, you know, God, you put me together. Your work is amazing. And I think it's important for us to begin to read what God's word says about us and not what we think about ourselves. That's where insecurity comes from. When we start thinking what we start listening to what we say or what anybody else says. But when we read what God says, we go, you know what, man, I'm a work of art. God has put me together in this way. He's made me wonderfully complex and we are complex. But his workmanship is marvelous. The work that he does in every one of us is amazing. It says how well I know it. We need to know that. It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. God is watching every child being made. He, he's literally forming them. The other day we were having lunch with a young lady. Uh, actually, we were having lunch at a restaurant, and a, one of the ladies there, young lady, uh, our waitress, came up and asked her, said, hey, listen, how can we pray for you? And she just teared up, started weeping. She said, I'm pregnant. She goes, I haven't told anybody. She said, but I opened up my Bible last night for the first time. She goes, and here you guys are asking for pray, to pray for me. And so, man, we began to pray for this young lady. And, you know, we, we were able to just encourage her. And I, was, and I told her, I said, hey, listen, God is shaping and putting that little baby together. One day God has a plan and a purpose for that child. He wants to do something special there. And it was just an incredible moment. But whenever we read Scripture and we know this, we go, you know what? That baby God is putting together. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God's already laid out a plan and a purpose for our life. Our job is to discover him as we discover that plan. And as we're going through life, we're discovering that mom and dad is part of our job to help our children discover that plan. To know, hey, what is God's plan and purpose for your life? And so as we read through this, it's, it's, it's cool for us to get that. That's the Old Testament. Look at what it says in the New Testament here. In the New Testament, it says this. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. I mean, Scripture's pretty clear there. We're to obey our parents. We're to, we're to line up with what they say, you know, and, and we're to obey them. Moving on, it says here, it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And again, this is Ephesians, this is the New Testament, where it's, it's going back and, and pointing to that passage that we read earlier. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you have a long life on the earth. I mean, God's word is clear. You know, we're to, we're to honor our parents. We're to, we're to lift them up, you know, with our words. We're to affirm them. We're going to kind of unpack that a little bit. But here's the other thing we need to understand, too. There are no perfect families. No perfect families. You've got an unperfect parent. You've got an unperfect, uh, uh, you know, child. There's no perfect family. So they've all, we've all kind of messed up, you know. And I know there's times you look at some people and you think they've got it together. They have the perfect family. But I think most of us in this room that are our parents, there's been plenty of times we feel like failures. We feel like, you know, I don't know what else to do. But that's where we have to say, you know what, I'm not giving up. I'm going to learn what to do. And maybe you've got little bitty kids. Maybe you've got, you know, kids that are teenagers. And I, I love it whenever a lot of times parents have kids that are little bitty. They think they're God's gift to parenting. You wait till they're teenagers and you come back and tell me if you're still God's gift to parenting. You know what I'm saying? And so what we've got to do is we've got to learn, hey, hey, there's different stages that we have to have with our children. We have to learn how to help them and, and launch them into life towards God's plan and God's purpose for their life. And so we've got to always be learning how to live with it. I used to tell my oldest son, 
You know, I would say, hey, listen, I've never had a 16-year-old. I need you to work with me here. When he was 17, I'd say, listen, I've never had a 17-year-old. I need you to work with me here. You know, and so we're, we're, I was learning as he was learning. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm learning how to be that parent. But Laurie and I would always look to other people that we felt like did a good job raising godly kids, and we would ask them questions. And so don't sit around and go, I'm just going to try to figure it out. Man, go ask someone that has walked the road ahead of you. Learn from them. And so that's important. So there are no perfect families. And I want you to understand this. Jesus' family, Jesus' family, you know, they come after Jesus whenever he was out teaching. They thought he'd done lost his mind, man. They're like, what is he doing? And so Jesus' family was not perfect either. But I will say this to some of you teenagers. Jesus was the only teenager that ever knew more than his mom and dad, but yet he submitted to them. Yeah, you might want to let that one sink in a little bit. So look, let's look here in this passage in Luke. It says, then he returned to Nazareth with them. That's his mom and dad. Remember, he got left at the, uh, at the temple. You know, and they go, man, what in the world are you doing? So he, it says he returned to, uh, with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother stored up all these things in her heart. You know, she was proud of, you know, how he had answered. They were proud of the fact that, you know, he was growing and maturing. And, and so she, it was a blessing to her. And then look at this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and what? And the people, all the people. So as Jesus submitted to his parents, as he honored them, man, he grew in wisdom and stature with them and with God. And so whenever we're obedient and we're honoring our parents, it gives us favor with God. It gives us favor with people. People go, you know what? That's a good kid right there. They're, they may not be perfect, right? But they're, they're a good kid. So here's a question. How do we honor our parents? And so that's a question maybe that you, you need an answer to today. How do we honor our parents? And this goes both ways. There may be some of you in the room here, you know, your parents are still alive. How do you honor them? There may be some of you in here that you've got kids and you're thinking down, down the line. But sometimes I think we need to think both ways. It's how do I honor my parents and how do I teach my kids God's word? And how do I lead them to one day that they will honor me, they will honor God's word, and they will be blessed. They'll live long lives. And so how do we honor our parents, I, I think this was a good one, by obeying them. It's pretty clear. You know, we just saw that in this passage right here. We saw that in this passage. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. You know, there's a question we have to ask sometimes. What's the right thing to do? There's options out there. What's the right thing to do? It's not always the easy. You know, I tell our staff a lot of times, I, I'm not looking for easy. I'm looking for effective. You know what I'm saying? We're not looking for easy. We're looking for effective. And so oftentimes we have to ask, hey, what is the right thing to do? And if, and if you're, you came here today, God, I need you to show me what is the right thing to do is to obey your parents. That's the right thing to do. It's to spend time in his word. It's to find out what his plan, his purpose is for your life. But it is to obey them by obeying our parents. Here's another one. By affirming them. By speaking life over our parents. You know, as teenagers, and oftentimes we will speak just the worst things over our parents. They're the biggest idiots in the world. You don't want to run them down. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how much wiser your parents see, seem to get as you get older. You know, uh, Mark Twain had a statement. He, you know, when he was younger, he said something about, you know, it, it amazed him how much his dad had learned from the time he was 17 or from the time he was 15 to the time he was 21, how much wiser his dad had gotten those years. Really, the dad was the same, right? It's the young man that's beginning to realize he was right. And there's some of you that one day you'll look back and you go, you know what, I'm saying what my mom and dad used to say. What in the heck is that about? You know, but that's what you're going to do because you're going to realize, you know, it's the right thing. And we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to do the right thing. Help me to honor them. And so by affirming them, we speak life over our, our, our family. We speak life over our parents. 
You know, somebody else, you know, I used to tell people this, you know, you know, I, I could get frustrated with my dad and whatever, and, you know, and, but man, don't let me hear you talking bad about him. You know what I'm saying? And so we've got to be willing to affirm them and say, hey, find the positives. You know, I grew up in Dysfunction Junction. I talk about that a lot. And, and I've told Laurie this. There's times I have to really work hard to find some of the positive things to hang my hat on from our childhood. But my dad did a lot of things really well. But it's so easy to let the negative overshadow everything that's positive. That's what Satan loves to do. Hey, let's, let's dwell on the negative. Let's dwell on what is not right rather than focusing on what is right. And so there's things that we have to go out and be intentional and say, you know what? That was a good thing. That was the right thing. And, you know, and we've, got to be, we've got to be affirming by affirming them. Here's another one. By showing appreciation. A thank you goes a long way. Would you all agree with that? Man, sometimes someone does something for you. Man, a thank you or a hug or, you know, just, hey, man, thank you so much. Thank you for that meal, Mom. Thank you, Dad, thanks for buying supper tonight. Or, Dad, thanks for uh, taking me fishing. Or, Dad, th- thanks for doing this. But a thank you goes a long way. So one of the ways that we honor our parents is by obeying them, you know, affirming them, speaking life over them, saying positive things to them, and then saying thank you. A thank you goes a long way. You know, there's times that, you know, we, we often say in this culture it's the, uh, you know, the entitlement mentality. That they don't say thank you. They just feel like, hey, you owed me that. And let me just say, you know, parents, you need to probably work on teaching your kids that they're not just going to be given everything. There's things they have to earn. And it comes from Scripture. The Bible talks talk about blessing hard work. You know, we often think that work is a curse. It's not. Working hard is a good thing. And we ought to you know, be teaching our kids, hey, work hard, do your job, earn your pay, you know, honor your boss. You know, I mean, do those things. And so those are some things we ought to be teaching them. And, and so thank you goes a long way. So look at this next one. So parents, here's some questions. There are a number of questions, and I, I, I probably put too many questions on here, but... I feel like there's even more questions that we need to be asking of ourselves. So as a parent, you know, we've talked about, hey, how do I honor my parents? How do I honor my, my family, my parents, my mom and dad? And so there's ways of doing that. But what are some things that we need to be asking ourselves as parents if we really want our kids to honor us? You know, we ought to, we ought to be honorable. We, what I'll do the things that they go, you know what, my mom and dad... It's easy to honor them because these are some of the things they do. So I want to give you, a, I want to run through a series of questions. Maybe you can ask yourself these. One, what are we modeling for our children? So ask yourself, what, what are we as a couple, you know, modeling for our children? If you're a single parent, mom or dad, what are you uh, modeling for your children? You know, and I'm going to walk us through a series of questions. So ask yourself, what am I modeling? Do I model honoring people? Do I model honoring my parents and stuff? And, you know, so what, are, what am I modeling? And here's another one. Do I honor my parents? So you want your kids to honor you, but you don't honor your parents. You want your kids to do certain things, but you don't do that same thing. And so we should be modeling what we want our kids to do. Wouldn't you agree with that? And so if I really want them to honor me as their parents, I need to honor my parents. Not run them down, not belittle them, not talk about them, not make fun of them, not avoid them, you know, and not just, you know, just give up on them. But if anything, I ought to be honoring them so that my children can learn how to honor me. And so parents, ask yourself, do I honor my parents? And here's, here's another one. Do I put God first? We talked about this last week. In our marriage you know, do we put God first? Do I model that for my children? Or are my children first? Are the children really the idol in your life? And moms and dads, it's real, real easy in this culture. If, if there's ever been a time, the last probably 10 years, it is so easy to kind of go down this road to where it's all about the children. 
And Satan would love for you to go down that road. And your kids oftentimes would like for you to go down that road. But I'm just telling you, it's sinful. And what we've got to be able to do is say, you know what, it's God first, my spouse second, my children after that. And we have to work at maintaining those priorities. It doesn't come easy. But, you know, you have to ask, you know, do I put God first? Do I put God first or do I put my children first? Do I put God first or do I put my spouse first? Do I put God first or do I put anything and everything else first? And so you have to ask yourself that question because that's what you're modeling. Do I worship God in front of my children? I think this is huge. I think it's always important for us to model certain things for our kids because we will do things uh, that we see our parents doing. And I think one of the greatest things you could teach your children how to do is to worship. We teach them everything else. I, I was, Laurie and I went uh, walking yesterday, and I saw a dad out there, you know, working with his son, you know, throwing a baseball to him, trying to get him to hit. He was terrible. And uh, the dad was, I'm saying. And uh, anyway, uh, then he was, you know, hitting him a few grounders and trying to teach the kid. And I told Laura, I said, man, somebody needs to work with the dad so that the dad can really work with his son. I mean, it's that bad. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but here's the thing. At least he was trying, right? He was giving it an effort. I mean, he was, he was doing something to try to help his son be better at something. Well, let me ask you this. You know, when was the last time that you taught your child what worship was? When was the last time that you, you taught them you know, what it means to lift holy hands unto the Lord. What when was the last time that you engaged in worship? Are you checking your phone while the worship set is going on in the service? Or, you know, your mind is elsewhere. You know, where, where are you in that? Are you worshiping? You're worshiping in front of your kids. You know, some of my favorite memories of our kids, all of us just worshiping together. When we were they were little, we had a, a video. It was a DVD that was, it was worship songs. And, uh, and we would do a family devotion, and we would play one of those songs. And, uh, and watching all three of my little boys just bouncing before the Lord and hands in the air, worshiping was one of the coolest things. And so I'm just telling you, Mom and Dad, teach your children how to worship by you worshiping, by you standing there with holy hands lifted to the Lord, you down on your knees before, before God, you modeling that for them. And so do I worship God in front of my children? Here's a couple more questions. Do I make going to church a priority for myself? Does everything else come first? Does, does hunting come first? Does fishing come first? Does golf come first? Does softball or baseball or soccer or whatever come first? Or do I, as the parent, do I model that, you know what, church is a priority? Because church is a priority to God. And if it's a priority to God, it ought to be a priority to us. Jesus died for the church, right? And so it's a priority for Jesus. And so, therefore, if I'm a follower of Christ, it should be the church gathering together as the body of Christ, going out and making a difference and being the representation of Christ as we go into the working world or the school or wherever we go should be a priority to us as believers if it was to Jesus. And so, therefore, we have to ask ourselves, do I make going to church a priority for myself or does anything and everything get in the way of me being at church? All it takes is, hey, it's raining outside. You know what? Let's, lay in, let's sleep in today. Hey, it's somebody's birthday. Let's make pancakes and we'll just stay home today. Yeah, and so do we, do we make it a priority? And so we have to ask ourselves, do we make it a priority for myself? And then here's the next one. Look at this one. Do I make being in church together as a family a priority? As a family. Do I lead my family by worshiping, by being engaged, by being involved, maybe by serving? You know, I, I love seeing some of the families around here serving together. Their children will be serving with them. You know, we, on a lot of our teams, you can be involved as a teenager or whatever with your mom and dad. Even younger, you can be involved in that by, by serving. And so do, do I make it being in church together as a family a priority? And if not, what you're modeling is, hey, it's not that important. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, do I make it a priority? You know, I, I know there's a lot of people watching online and stuff right now. There's a lot of people that go anywhere and everywhere, but men are not back in church yet. You know, and, and you've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, is it a priority or is this convenience? You know, and you have to say, I want to be engaged. I want to be involved. Well, then get there. You know, take whatever steps you need to. We spread things out. We clean things. We do all that. But I'm just saying, we've got to say, you know, is it a priority? And it's not a convenience. We don't do the online service just to be convenient. I want you guys to understand that and everybody online to understand that. Some people say, hey, man, I can still go do whatever I want to do. I can sit in my tree stand. I can sit on my boat. And I can say that I watch the service and I'm good. That's not the way that works. That's not what it's for. And so we want to reach people. We want to engage with people. But, man, we really want you to engage and be a part of a community of believers. And so we need that. So here's some other questions. How do we speak to others or about others in front of them? So how, what kind of language do you use about people? Mom and dad, when you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, what do you say? Don't say it. You know, you're in church. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, what happens whenever the, the service is slow, you know, and you're thinking, hey, you know, we're paying a lot for this meal, and, boy, their tip's going down, 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 whatever. You know, so how do you treat others? How do you speak uh, to them? Or how do you speak to others in front of them? How do you speak to, you know, a waitress or a waiter? How do you speak to somebody that's not moving as quickly as you want them? And you're doing that in front of your kids. Here's another. Do we speak life-giving words over them and over others? Do we speak life-giving words over our children? Are we always telling them how negative, you know, all these negative things like you're not, uh, you're lazy, you know, you're not talented, you're not good enough, you're not whatever. And so all of a sudden your kid grows up believing that they're not all these, they're all these negative things and they're not good enough. Are we speaking life over our children? You know, I've, I've heard people say before, you know, they'll say, hey man, don't speak that over your child. If you say it to them long enough, you tell them long enough they're dumb, they'll be what? They'll be dumb. You know, you, and you got to be willing to say, hey, listen, I speak life over you. I want to speak truth over you. And we've got to be willing to build them up. The world is going to do everything it can to tear them down. Satan is going to do everything it can to tear down your child. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy your child. Steal, kill, and destroy your marriage. That's what he does. That's what he works at, right? So we've got to be willing to say, you know, help me to build them up. Help me to speak life over them. And do I speak life over them and do I speak life over others? Or do I speak negativity and poison and venom all over everybody? And so what, what are my words? So what, am I, what am I modeling? How do we treat one another in front of them? If you're married, you know, I know we've got some single parent uh, families in here, but if you're in a marriage relationship, you know, how do you treat each other? Do your kids see you arguing and yelling at each other, or do they see you working things out? Do they see you loving on each other? You know, I think one of the most Im- important things is, is for my kids to see uh, me love on my wife and my wife love on me. You know, and I'm, and I'm just that's hugging each other, giving her a kiss, you know, and telling her how beautiful she is. I think they need to see that. And I think your children need to see you as, as a mom and a dad loving on each other and caring for one another. And so I think those are things that we need to model in a healthy way, in a healthy way. And so how do we treat one another in front of them? And then here's another. How is my attitude? We love to tell a teenager how bad their attitude is, don't we? I mean, we love it. We love to point out how bad their attitude is. Hey, you better lose that attitude. You know what I'm saying? But we get an attitude telling them they better lose their attitude, don't we? Like, well, excuse me? You know, I'm just saying. So we've got to be willing to say, God, how is my attitude? Do I have the attitude of Christ? Do I walk, you know, in a way that is humble but yet, you know, under power, under control? Do I walk in that way? And so how is my attitude? So these are questions, again, parents, we need to ask ourselves. Do I pray in front of my children and do I pray over them? Do you pray in front of them? Do your kids ever see you pray? You know, I I know people that, man, have never prayed in front of anybody until they were 70 years old. And they've missed out on the privilege of being able to pray with someone, to pray over someone. 
So moms and dads, let me ask you, do you pray over your children? Maybe before they go out, you say, listen, come here, I just want to pray over you. That might freak them out the first couple of times, but I'm just telling you, they, they may get used to it. They may come to you and say, Mom, will you pray over me? Dad, will you pray over me? Dad, will you pray for this game or will you pray for that or will you pray for this situation? And they'll begin to trust you because they believe that you know who you're talking to. And so do you pray over them? Do I read the Bible in front of them? There's so many people that say, man, I believe the Word of God from cover to cover, and they've never read it. They don't even know what it says. You know, and so do, do your children see you reading Scripture? Do they see you trying to apply Scripture to your life? I'm just telling you, all these things are what bring honor. Man, your kids will honor you. They'll go, you know what, my mom and dad love the Lord. You know, they're, they're, they have a great attitude. Man, they speak life over people. They're kind. I, I saw where a friend of mine, his grandmother passed away this past week. And he said, he goes, you know, she was, I think she lived to be 93 years old. He said, never once did I ever hear her complain. Man, what in the world? That was an incredible life. That's a life well lived right there, I'm just telling you. And so he said, in 93 years, he said, I never, ever once heard her complain. And so, man, he honored her. That's what he was doing. On, on his post, he was honoring her because of what she had done through the years, raising kids and running a farm and all these things. And he was honoring her. Now, the bad thing is sometimes we wait to honor our parents until it's too late, until they're gone. We wait until the, the funeral to honor them when we should be honoring them every day with our words. But do I read the Bible in front of them? Do I share with them maybe a verse? Do you send them a scripture? You know, instead of, you know, just always reminding them of the rules, maybe you say, hey, listen, I just want to share this verse with you. I want to share with you what God's teaching me. And so do I read the Bible in front of them? Here's another one. Do I discipline them? That's a good question. If you love them, you discipline them. God loves us, so he disciplines us. And I know there's, there's, there's so many crazy teachings out there to me right now that, you know, that say you shouldn't discipline. That is bogus, man. I'm just telling you, that's the world's teaching. God's word is clear. Now, how you discipline may be different. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I, my dad, you know, he, he'd unbuckle his belt and was like, yes, sir. Man, it's funny how attentive I got whenever he would unbuckle his belt. You know, and my mom, she would spank you with anything she could find. It didn't matter if it was, a, you know, the thing that you toted the Tupperware cakes in or whatever. She was going to find something to get you with. But it, it broke me of doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. And so maybe, you know, you're not, you're going, hey, I'm not into that kind of, that kind of uh, discipline. We'll figure out what works, but discipline in some way. Because God disciplines us because he loves us. So we, if you love your child, you're going to discipline. And here's the thing. I won't ever forget this. Years ago, they did a survey of a bunch of inmates uh, at, a, at an institution. They asked them, hey, what's the thing you wish you'd have heard you'd have, you, you, your parents would have done? Number one was, I wish they'd have told me they loved me. Number two is, I wish they would have disciplined me. They both are the same. If you love them, you discipline them. And, and here's the thing is, God is saying, hey, listen, I love you. I'm going to discipline you because I care about you. I'm trying to protect you from yourself and from this world. And so we have to use wisdom. And look at this passage here. A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. We've got to use our common sense. And then we've got to use the wisdom that God gives us. This is out of Proverbs. Read a Proverbs every day. Every day read a Proverbs. Maybe share it with your child. Hopefully your child will gain that wisdom, right? And, and so we've got to be willing to do that. So but let, me t- let me tell you one of the best gifts that you can give your child. Now, how many parents in here like giving your kids good gifts? Anybody? Some of you are good parents, I guess. But anyway, uh, you like to give your children gifts. I love to give my kids gifts. I love to bless them with something. But the greatest gift that we could give our, our child is this, a healthy marriage. We covered it last week. Best gift you could give them is not an item. It's not, a, it's not something that you go out and purchase. It's something you have to work really hard at. It's a healthy marriage. But if you really love your spouse, 
Here's the thing. You, you begin to give your children something. You love on your spouse in front of them. You love on your, your wife or your husband in front of them. You're building a confidence in your child. And, and I believe that this is true. I believe that a healthy marriage builds confidence and stability in our children. Those children go up, grow up knowing mom and dad love each other. They are enamored with each other. They care about each other. They adore one another. And so those children grow up with stability. They don't have to worry. I wonder if mom and dad's leaving. I wonder which one's going to check out. I wonder which one's cheating. They don't have to grow up with that. But they grow up going, you know what? Mom and dad are committed to each other. They love each other. You know, and, and so it builds confidence in a child. And if you want your kid to be confident, then they've got to believe, you know what? They care. Go back and listen to last week. If you didn't catch last week, we talked about a healthy marriage, how to have a healthy marriage. But it goes back to putting God first, putting Christ in the center of your marriage. A healthy marriage has Jesus Christ at its center. It, I mean, and, and you have to be intentional about that. It's not going to just happen. You have to be intentional about going, you know what? Jesus is going to be at the center of my marriage. I'm going to invest in that. I'm going to do the work that it takes to be that type of person and, and have that type of marriage. And so if you want a healthy marriage, you've got to be willing to work at it. And so here's another one. A healthy marriage is a place of forgiveness. Let me just say this. We've all said it today. No perfect parents, no perfect children, no perfect families, right? But a healthy marriage is one that models forgiveness. When I look back and I, and I look at Scripture and I see how God is so forgiving, He's quick to forgive. Oftentimes we're not in our marriages. And then our kids learn to not be quick to forgive as well. But if we're modeling forgiveness in our home. You know, we're all going to mess that. We're all going to blow it. But you know what? We have to work through forgiveness and be willing to offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness. There are times that someone wants to forgive you and you, and you can't forgive yourself. And you, so therefore you can't receive forgiveness from them. But God's word says that we are to quickly and thoroughly forgive just as God has forgiven us. And so a healthy marriage is a place of forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean that you abuse that. Kind of like Paul said, you know, we don't, we don't sin so that grace may increase. You know, that, that's not what we do. But what we do is we realize, you know, the gift of forgiveness is a powerful gift. So let's look at this. I think this is important. Our homes need more grace and freedom. Our homes need more grace and freedom. And I want to kind of unpack this a little bit today. But grace is unmerited favors, undeserved favors. Does everybody understand that? That's what grace is. Unmerited, undeserved, you don't deserve it. In other words, because of your sin, every one of us, every, myself included, everybody watching online, every one of us deserve hell. That's what we deserve. Because we're sinful people. And we've all sinned. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against heaven. We've gone against His Word. We all deserve hell. But God showed His amazing grace whenever He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross to bleed out His precious blood to cover and wash every one of our sins, past, present, and future. Jesus covered our sins and makes us right with God. We're in right standing. Not because of anything I did. But because of what Jesus did, Jesus went to the cross, he died, he bled out, he was laid in a, in a borrowed tomb, he was resurrected by the power of God, he defeated death, he defeated hell, he defeated sin, he defeated all that, right? That's the good stuff. We get that only because of God's grace. I don't deserve it, you don't deserve it, none of us do. And so whenever we get our mind around that, you know, God, you are so gracious to me. Man, you pour out things I don't deserve. And so whenever we go, you know what, God, I need grace in my home. There are things that your kids don't deserve, but mom and dad, we show grace and, and freedom. And I, I want to kind of unpack a couple of these. And, and here's one, the freedom to be different. And let me kind of explain what I mean there. That doesn't mean to be weird. That doesn't mean to just be obnoxious. That doesn't mean to be whatever. It means to, it's okay to be different. 
I remember a friend of mine years ago telling me about a pastor friend of his or a, a pastor that he had respect for. And I was like, what? you know, he said, I just respect the fact that he let his children grow long hair. He said, my dad never would let me do that. And I was like, he said, but it meant a lot to me that this guy respected his kids enough where he gave them enough freedom to be able to grow their hair long. You know, and I don't know if you're one of those parents, but, you know, I obviously don't wear long hair, but my boy's hair is a little bit longer than I like. It, and there's times, hey, like, ain't time for a haircut. But I let them decide when they're going to get that haircut. Now, I may encourage them to go get a haircut, but I think there needs to be some freedoms for, in our children to be able to, you know, identify and to be, you know, to be able to say, hey, you know, what? I'm different. I'm not my dad. I'm not my mom. But here's the thing. It goes back to honoring your mom and dad as well. But there ought to be enough freedom for them to be a little bit different, but not weird, not goofy, just to get attention. Don't, don't take that and go the wrong way with that. So, you know what? They can do whatever they want to. Now, God has very clear directions about how we're to live. And so as long as we line up with God's word, man, you can, you can do things different. A guy, I remember a guy one time told his son, he said, he, uh, he said, son, he said, I want you to get a haircut. And he said, daddy, he said, Jesus had, you know, he, he had uh, long hair. And he said, yeah, but he walked everywhere going. He said, if you want that car, you're going to get a haircut. You know, so you got to be careful with how you go there. But uh, so the freedom to be different. Here's another one. The freedom to be candid. You know, I think too often... We walk on eggshells in our homes whenever we ought to be speaking the truth in love. And there are times that we've got to be willing to sit down. And I think there's a, a time every once in a while that you sit around the, the, the kitchen table. And, uh, you know, you're not just eating at the bar. You're not just eating, sitting at, you know, and over there watching TV. But you say, hey, turn the TVs off. Let's sit around the table. We need to have a, a conversation. And most of the kids and most of the parents know whenever it happens, that's pretty serious. But that's a good time to be candid. Say, listen, I need to talk to you about something. And that's where you're candid and you're direct. You're not harsh. You're not trying to be mean. You're just being truthful. You're speaking the truth in love. And you're doing it because you love them, right? And that may be where discipline takes place. That may be where, you know, hey, listen, you're not going to come in that late again. You know, you've you got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to I want to line up with your word. I want to speak truth in love. But I'll just tell you this. Moms and dads, your children need, they need structure. And you need to be candid about, hey, you know, listen, you're not going to stay out all hours of the night. Uh, I can remember whenever I turned 18, and uh, not, I, when I graduated, my mom said, hey, you know what time to be in? I said, Mom, I'm, I'm graduated now. She goes, you know what time to be in? Well, I came in late, and I got in trouble. And uh, so I was pushing the envelope. But the, here's the thing is, and I was still living in that home. She still had guidelines, and I had to follow those. And so she was very candid with me the next morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't going to happen here. And so I think as parents, we need to know where our kids are at. We need to know what they're doing. You know, oftentimes we let them do whatever, but we need to be real truthful with them and say, hey, listen, there are rules here. There are guidelines here. You have to, uh, you know, you have to line up with those. And I'll just say this, whatever you say you're going to do, do. Whether it's, hey, it's a positive thing. If you promise them, hey, if, if you do this, I'll, I'll, I'll do this, then you need to follow through. If it's a negative thing, maybe it's discipline. Hey, if you break this rule, this is what's going to happen. You better follow through. Because if not, you're modeling for your children that lying is okay. And you've got to be honest, honest enough to say, hey, this is what I said. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be uncomfortable for everybody. Like I've told my kids before, I said, if you, if you break this rule, you're not driving to school, and I have to drive them to school for a week, it's, un, it's inconvenient for me. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, I've got to do what I said I would do, or either I'm lying to them. So we've got to be willing to be candid. So there needs to be a freedom to be candid. Here's another one, to be vulnerable. Let your kids share how they're feeling. And don't tell them they're wrong for feeling a certain way. If that's the way they feel, that's the way they feel. You just got to kind of unpack that a little bit and say, hey, listen, well, let's talk about that. What does that mean? Why are you feeling that way? And here's the thing. Feelings are not what we base our life on because feelings ebb and flow, right? We base our life on truth. 
And it's a great opportunity for you to sit down and talk to them about what God's Word says. You know, they may say, well, this is how I'm feeling. This is what everybody else is doing. All right, well, let's talk about what is truth here. And and so we've got to give them that opportunity to be uh, transparent and to share their feelings. Here's another one. The freedom to make mistakes. Now, I know none of us make mistakes, right? We all do. And we've got to be willing to let our kids make mistakes. You know what I tell our staff all the time here? I tell them all the time, I say, hey, listen, I don't mind new mistakes because I feel like we're covering new ground. But if we make the same mistakes over and over, that's a different ballgame. I get really agitated with that. If it's the same mistakes over and over, that's laziness, complacency, or you just don't care. And so, but if it's new mistakes, that means we're covering new ground. You're trying something new. You know, you got on a path, you know what, that path didn't work out. You back up, you go a different direction, that's fine. And so moms and dads, I would just say this. I think it's okay for our kids to make mistakes as long as they're new mistakes. But if it's the same mistakes over and over and over, you've got an issue. And you need to sit down and have a conversation. You need to be candid again, right? And say, hey, listen, what are we going to do to straighten this out and to keep this from happening again and again and again? But if it's a new mistake, you go, all right, let's talk about that. Now, hopefully it's nothing catastrophic, but I'm just saying there needs to be freedom to make mistakes. And here's a couple of uh, things I think we need to remember. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your mom and dad. There may be some of you in here, you know, your, your mom and dad are 80, 90 years old, and you're like, man, I didn't give up. They're not going to change. They don't have to, but you do. You're not going to change them. I can't change anybody. But I will say this. I can change how I honor them, how I speak about them. I can change. And, and, and I'm, I'm able to say, God, I want you to change me. I want you to change the way I think about this situation. I want you to change how I think about my mom and dad. My mom and dad are, are both gone. But I can still change how I use my words and how I honor them, right? And and so don't give up on your family. Moms and dads, don't give up on your kids. Keep fighting for them. Satan wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. Kids, don't give up on your mom and dad. You know, but to say, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to fight for them. I'm I'm going to get on my knees every day and just literally pray it down over them. But don't give up on your family. Here's a couple of next steps. One, I, I choose Jesus today. And I want to to honor God in every way. Let me tell you, the best way to have a right relationship with your mom and dad or with your children is for you to have a right relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're watching online or you're here in the room, you've never put your faith in Christ, I'm telling you, that's where it starts. You'll never have what you desire without Christ. A Christ-centered relationship affects everything. It's not just a marriage. It affects everything. Every person in this room, doesn't matter if you're single. Man, if Jesus is not at the center... All those relationships are going to be impacted in a negative way if Christ is not at the center. But, man, if he's at the center, it begins to become healthy. You begin to find out how to walk through life together with other people. And so I choose Jesus today. Maybe, maybe for some of you, maybe somebody online, you go, man, I realize I need Christ. I don't need religion. I don't need self-help books. I don't need the world's plan. I need Christ in my life. Let that be your decision. Here's another one. I will choose today to honor my parents with my words and my actions. It's a choice you make. And you know what? You may have to make this choice again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. You're going to have to choose that because they're going to do something to push your buttons. They're going to do something to agitate you. But you're saying, you know what? I'm going to choose to honor my parents. I'll choose today to forgive my parents. Forgiveness. Man, that's what Jesus is all about. And if you don't have Christ in you, you'll never be able to forgive. You'll walk around with bitterness and anger and resentment. Maybe all the days of your life. But, man, if you've received Christ and you've received his forgiveness, you will feel compelled to offer forgiveness to those that 
you've wounded, those that you've hated, those that you've wronged, God will give you the ability to forgive and heal. I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I don't know what God may be speaking to you about today or what He's saying to you. There may be some of you in here that you realize, you know what, man, I haven't honored my mom and dad. I haven't honored my father, my mother. With my life, with my words, my actions. And right now, you just need to say, God, will you forgive me? If you're sincere, he will forgive you. He'll forgive you. He'll begin a healing process in you. He may even give you the words to go to your mom and dad and ask for their forgiveness. But he wants to heal that relationship. And if we honor our parents, it honors God. There may be some teenagers in here. You realize, you know what, man, I I haven't been honoring my parents. I'm more interested in my friends than I am in honoring my parents. Maybe you just ask God, God, will you forgive me? Maybe there's some parents in here that you haven't been, you know, being honorable for your kids. You haven't been doing anything to really help your kids in that situation. You're not giving them anything to honor. And so I just want to encourage you. Maybe you say, you know, God, help me to maybe change what I've been doing. Help me to give a model that the kids can look to and, and know that I want to honor God's Word. I want to live in a way that honors Jesus. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, let today be the day of salvation. Maybe you ask Christ to come into your life. Maybe you're watching online. You go, you know what, I need Jesus. Let me tell you, it's, it's a simple process that Jesus made simple enough for a child to come to know Him or someone old to come to know Him. But He made it the way for everyone. And it's going, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to, to hear. Lord Father, you... Jesus, you paid the price for my sin, and I want to thank you for that. And I want to ask you to forgive me of the sin I've committed. And whenever we put our faith in Christ, the Bible says we will be saved. We've quit living the way we've been living. That's repentance. And said, Jesus, I want to live for you from this point forward. That's submission. That's surrender. We're living for him. And if you will confess your sin, repent of your sin, turn turn from from living that way to living for God, he says you become part of his family. You become a child of God. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, if there's anybody here, maybe they've prayed that prayer today. Maybe they've asked you to come into their life. God, we want to know with them. We want to know about it. We want to walk with them. I thank you for the, the man sitting on the back row back there, God, who just able to give him a Bible a few minutes ago. Lord Father, and walk him through. He just gave his life to Christ last week. Father, we celebrate that. Maybe there's somebody here today that put their faith in you. God, we want to walk with them. Maybe there's somebody online. God, we want to walk with them. But God, help us to be parents God, that, uh, that lead our children well, that we model the things that you tell us to model. But God, help us to also honor our mother and our father, with Father, in everything that we do. And help us to, to become a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ by how we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.